You want to count me down? Ready. <laughs> and five, four, three, two, one. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name's Jason Zenger, and welcome to episode six of Making Chips. The best part about this is, is once your employees embrace these, this culture of uh, ISO quality, it, your, your business just automatically starts running better and they start thinking in ISO, it, um, they start living it and breathing it. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. I'd like to welcome my friend, co-host, and the ISO certified Jim Carr. Hi, everybody. It's Jim here. Episode six. Jim, what's Making Chips? Uh, Making Chips is a manufacturing podcast specifically for manufacturing leaders in our industry. It's a peer-to-peer relationship. We're trying to reach out to our our peers and help them with any um, problems they might have or come along in the day-to-day manufacturing business. Yeah, we're trying to deliver content to the manufacturing industry, you know, sharing our experience, um, learning from our listeners. Yeah, God knows I've got the years of experience. So Jim, are you guys ISO certified? Does Car Machine and Tool have their certification? Absolutely are. Uh, we, uh, we have three ISO certifications, ISO 9001, ISO 14001, and an OSAS 18001. It's an ISO certification. Great. Before we start talking too much about ISO certification, um, I'd like to talk about a little manufacturing news. So this isn't really making chips. It's more, I don't know, printing chips. No, it's not even printing chips. It's um, just making parts and 3D printing. HP has just announced their multi-jet fusion printer. Um, it's It's a 3D printer. It's not supposed to be out until 2016. I know that 3D printing is a big topic among manufacturing companies. Absolutely. Everyone's talking about it. It's got a lot of buzz going on. Just from where I'm at in a manufacturing environment, it's not quite where it needs to be yet. Uh, it can't hold the tolerances that we machine to. It uh, it's probably a little slow. Uh, you're, you're not actually making chips either, are you? We're not. We're you're. It's an ad, it's called additive machining or additive um, manufacturing. I don't even know what the acronym is for it, but A D whatever. You just made that up. Uh, no, I didn't. There there's a there's a legit acronym well, there for is. additive manufacturing. I didn't know that. Adding, <laughs> added, additive manufacturing. Yeah, it's 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 got a lot of buzz going right now. People are really interested in it. I think it's going to evolve quickly. It has all the good signs of a good good technology. Yeah, it's going to be something that's going to become a primary component of the manufacturing industry. Absolutely. So this particular printer from HP, it's not a, um, a desktop printer. It sounds like HP is trying to go for the high end of the market. I believe that I read it was um, going to be a six-figure printer. So what this HP printer does is that it deposits a layer of liquid plastic. And I think that their initial model is going to print in black, but being HP and being heavily in the printing industry, they're going to have a 
a color 3D printer too. I wonder how that's going to differentiate itself against the desktop models like MakersBot. Have you seen those before? I have. Yeah, um, they're it, about two grand, three grand, maybe, I think maybe even the, the higher levels are about eight grand. It sounds like HP initially doesn't look to compete at that level. It looks like they're going for the real enterprise high-end market. I'm sure knowing them that they will be coming out yeah. with a, a desktop version, but uh, not at this point. It's great. It's great to see HP's jumped on at, at this early stage, and I'm excited to see that technology. Yeah, I, I really like to see the smaller independent companies like the one that you just mentioned be the forerunners in the 3D printing market, but you know that a, a large company like HP, I'm yeah. sure some other big names are going to start getting into 3D printing as well. Yeah, they've got the revenue and uh, the resources to do the uh, research and development on it. So it's all good. Bring so it. ISO certification. Yeah. Um, so first I want to talk about the history of ISO going back to some fun facts. So ISO has three official languages, English, of course, French, and Russian. The acronym ISO um, actually doesn't really correspond to, um, to the organization. So ISO is actually the International Organization of Standards, but they adopted the word ISO, which derives from the Greek word for isos. I hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that Greek word isos means equal. So, Interesting. Yeah. Where, do you know where the ISO standard originated at? I don't. I, I, from what I know, or from what I've heard, I thought it was originally a UK uh, certification. That's where it started, and then it it's just evolved over into the States. Yeah, that I, I don't know whether it originated in the UK. I do know that at this point, the International Organization of Standards is now headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland, and it's associated with the United Nations. Hmm. So it, it, if it did start in, in the UK, it's um, no longer there anymore. It's in Geneva, Switzerland, where most of those world governing bodies are, reside. Mm -hmm. Whatever, it's, it's relevant in within manufacturers today or in, even outside of the manufacturing community but i'm looking forward to talking about this because um it, it's i definitely think it's not for everybody but it certainly has its uh place within the manufacturing community so tell us again what were those three standards that your company has okay so well there's many iso standards out there i i don't know how many i mean maybe 12 or whatever. Anyway, we have three. The first one we uh, achieved was ISO 9001. How long ago was that? About seven years ago. It, it took time to, uh, to, to get there. Uh, we did hire an outside consultant to come in to kind of outline, give us a skeleton of the plan and, and help us along on that process to getting it. It's really crazy, Jason. Uh, with with ISO, it's a quality standard that tells once you're approved, it it tells whoever looks at your company that you are are doing things in a legitimate um, that you abide by a set of standards. We abide by a set of standards that is just audited every year and. Uh, it, it has to look look like the way it is supposed to be done. Right, so that another company that has that 9001 standard can look at your company that also has that same standard and know that you go through similar processes. Absolutely, yep. Okay, and then what are the other two certifications the that you have? The other one is uh, ISO 14001, and that's an environmental standard. It's a, gr it's a green. So it says that what we're doing is we're trying to have sustainability within our business. We're, we're doing making proactive decisions, written, quantified decisions 
to run the company in, in a green or environmentally sustainable way. So does that mean recycling carbide, reclaiming your water? What is, Are those the types of processes that you go through and that you document and standardize? Right. It can be anything as long as you prove to the auditor that it, 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 it truly is up against the standard. It could be that you have a recycling program in, in, in place, that you disposal of fluorescent bulbs, that you're trying to reduce your water output, that you have a high efficiency furnace, that you have a high efficiency uh, hot water tank, that you're we put we took uh, all the old fluorescent bulbs in our factory out and put in the new T8s, which are you know helping with energy efficiency. And, and we charted that and showed the auditor that our electric bills were down significantly after this um, project. So did you have to have your nine thousand and one before you received that green standard? No, we did have it before, but it is not it is not a prerequisite to have the fourteen thousand one. Okay, and and why did you get that that latest ISO? So what we did is we had the ISO nine thousand one, and then my um, office manager at the time pitched the idea. She said that you know maybe uh, to make us look a little bit better to the bigger OEM companies, everyone wants everyone's looking for companies that are green and and have these um, standards. She said, you know, we could take the 14,001 and the 18,001, which is a, a safety standard, like kind of like an OSHA standard, and we can integrate them into our uh, 9,001 process. So instead of having just a 9,001 quality standard, we have an integrated management system containing the three ISO certs. So what we're doing is we're working on one. At one time, we could be leveling over on another one or um, doubling up. That makes sense. That makes sense. While you're documenting for the 9001, you're you're also incorporating those two other certifications. I think they, they parallel more with the 14001, 18001, because if you're doing something environmentally sustainable, it may bleed over into the 18001 and the safety and health. Okay. So going back to your original certification, why did you um, start that? Uh, I remember uh, distinctly going through one of the last recessions and I, I had the salesman's hat on that time, and I was calling prospects. And many times I heard on the phone that they said, are you ISO certified? And I said, no, we are not. And that particular prospect said, listen, we, we don't take on new vendors unless they're ISO certified. So I, I got the door slammed in my face quite a few times. So I thought, uh, you know what, it's, it's something to do. We... Uh, we got a grant from the federal government, which I'm sure we're going to talk about on a future podcast, and they helped pay for the initial standard. They, oh, they paid for the consulting and then the original audit. Okay, we'll have to talk about um, how to get those grants in a, yeah, in a future podcast. That's a good one. So do you think that has benefited your business at this point? You know, I do. Our, our customers never really told us that we needed to get these ISO certifications. We did it out, out of the fact that we, it would we were be looking a, for new customers. We are looking for new customers, but I think mostly, in retrospect, I think it's a, it was a big diversifier for us. You know, if a new customer is looking at three new machine shops and everything else is equal, but we have three ISO certs, 
I think we're definitely going to be the one that they're going to pick because we're, you know, we have sustain sustainability. We have this quality safety standards. Yeah, the safety standards. We have the cert, but the, the only thing, the best part about this is, is once your employees embrace these, this culture of uh, ISO quality, it your your business just automatically starts running better, and they start thinking in ISO. They start living it and breathing it. It's great when you see the young guy out in the shop saying, oh, we need to do a quality objective on this one particular thing. You know, we start talking in ISO language around around the business. That's great. Do you think it's as necessary today versus, what was it, eight, seven or eight years ago when you started it? I definitely think it's as necessary today as it ever has been. I think a lot of, a lot of my peers are ISO certified. I think you just, you, you run your business better. There's been a lot of pushback. You know, it, it, it does cost a little bit of money to have those um, annual audits. Are you looking at any further ISO certifications beyond the three that you already have? Well, there is a medical cert. I, I don't know what it's called, but if we were to start doing more work for medical companies, I'm absolutely certain that they would require me to have that cert. And I think it would be easy to get because we're familiar with how it works how the uh, how the whole process go goes about there's also a an aerospace um cert called as9100 too there are a little higher level certifications over 9001 but if you're uh, doing work for those particular industries it's almost mandatory that you have those particular certs in place so knowing that you know every shop is a different size and has different different requirements how much do you think it costs you on a, on a yearly basis to maintain your certification? I would say about $5,000 a year. Okay. And that's, I mean, you, you need to be in that playing field. So I, that's not a, a huge sum of money in order to, to maintain that certification. No, it's not. But, you know, for some small shops that are struggling, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, nut, a, a big nut to crack. It is. It is. And especially um, what's even probably more costly is if you, like you mentioned, if you don't have that culture of ISO or that culture of standardization, it's probably even more costly to move the company towards that type of culture where you guys are um, going through standard processes. Right. I think unrealized cost is to maintain it. You know, there's a lot of paperwork involved internally and Oh, like the soft costs associated with it? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we have a, our office manager handles it 100%. And, you know, we spend a lot of time on maintaining things throughout the year. So when the auditor does come, you know, we, we have stuff, stuff to show him that, you know, we're living the culture of the cert. So does your office manager coordinate with your foreman and the other guys in your shop? Yeah. So, you know, we have we set tasks for gauge calibration. We put them on our calendars. Every three months or something, we have to go back. We have uh, gauge calibration software that we use that uh, has the entire list of all the uh, internal tools within our shop. And sh she'll go out and, and talk to the person that manages the gauge calibration and say, hey, is everything up to date? Do we need to do something? So, yeah, and I've been in your shop, you know, many times, and I have seen that there are many, many binders full of ISO processes and certifications and everything. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It really is. So how many hours a week do you think that she spends maintaining your ISO certification? I would say on average for our small shop, anywhere from three to five hours a week. Okay, that's a significant amount of time. Yeah, times, times 52, it, it certainly is. But I, at the end of the day, Jason, I think that it's just important that people know that, you know, whether or not your customers 
want you to have it or not. To have it differentiates your, your, your company. And then once your workforce embraces the culture of ISO, your business runs so much more streamlined, so much more efficient. It's, it's almost like a lean process. It, it, it's uncanny to explain. But I, I, I can definitely say that I, I've seen improvements in the way my company runs. So, uh, hey, hey, Jason, I got a question for you. So I'm in the shop the other day and um, I was trying to help one of my machinists out. We were doing some reamed holes and there's straight flute and there's spiral flute. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I know I buy my reamers from you at uh, Zenger's. But can, can you tell me or do you know? I mean, I've been in this industry a long time. What, what are the differences between a straight flute and or a spiral flute reamer? High-speed steel. Okay, that's a good question. Um, you know, obviously reamers are have been around for a long time. And with the improved manufacturing processes, people probably ream less than they used to. But in general, the, the general purpose straight flute reamers are by far the majority of, of what is used. And, and, and I would say it's just a general purpose tool. It works on a variety of materials. And it's, it's definitely the go-to for uh, tool for when you're reaming a hole. Now, if you're going to talk about spiral flute reamers, right. um, you, you need to divide those up into two different categories. So there's a right-hand spiral and there's a yep. left-hand spiral. So in general, you know, it's it's going to work similar to the way that, um, that a drill works. So a right-hand spiral is going to pull the chips up and out like a drill, and it's going to pull itself, the reamer, into the work. It's also going to, um, the coolant is going to go in the same direction as, as the chips. A left-hand spiral is actually going to push the chips and the coolant ahead. So if you're using a left-hand spiral, you're, you have to use that in a through hole in general. The reamer is going to actually push itself out of the hole. All right, episode six, done, over with. Jason and I decided to do this to... Um to better our, our industry peers and hopefully um, strike a chord with a few of our podcasts with you and, and, and engage. Please, by all means, if, if, we're, if you have any feedback, go to our website, makingchips.com, leave us some information. Let us know how we're doing. Get, give us some encouragement. Let us uh, know what you're interested in hearing about. Maybe, maybe we have some information for you that you, you don't know that uh, we, we certainly know a lot of people within this industry, and we can provide that uh, information to you. Yeah, we can answer your questions. Absolutely. And we look forward to doing it too. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. So Jim, what's Making Chips? Uh, making Chips is... is uh a collaborate. <laughs> Let's start over again. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, it's okay. I kind of got <laughs> off on the wrong foot.